Amen. Well, for those of you that are watching on at home, everything looks super clear on all the screens. If you're here in person, this is a, this is a filter we like to call busted. Um, it's not quite clear. Um, but at the end, I was rescued. A victory in Jesus. I know that one, right? I grew up on that one. Um, I, was, I, I, was, I was right on it there. Um, just a couple of things, if you would, just as matters of prayer. Um, there's one gentleman we prayed for last week. His name's Joe. Um, he was uh, asking for some prayer for some tests that he had coming up. Uh, but at the end of this week, he actually had um, kind of a, uh, it had some things that mimicked um, a stroke. Um, so if you would, please pray for him. Um, some of the tests kind of were secondary to some of that stuff that he began dealing with. Um, also, uh, there's a family that's going to be having a, a celebration of life service that we're going to be doing here today at the church um, at 6 o'clock. Uh, so if you will, please remember them. That was a sudden passing of a loved one, um, but a good opportunity for our church to be able to minister to them, be able to open our doors to someone in the community. So thank you for just remembering those needs, um, if you will. Uh, this series, uh, Grace That Is Greater, we're now on, uh, my count is right, I believe week four of this. Um, the first week was really just kind of a, it, it, was, um, it was a conversation starter. We really tried to set the framework for grace. Um, and then we've had um, some, some follow-ups from that, just thinking about the things that, um, that grace is greater than. We talked about saving grace that second week. Last week, we talked about grace that is greater than despair. Despair is not a word that we use a whole lot, but if you're somebody who comes to church going, God, I need to see a sign, you're welcome. I showed you two signs on stage last week. That was my help to you. Hopefully that that worked out. Uh, but we looked at how grace isn't just, if grace isn't just what happens at the end, um, grace is also what happens in the in-between, um, from when we realize, hey, l- life is hard, all the way to God is good and God has done something good. Um, but, but grace really fills the space in between that. Um, so what I'm really hoping for, and I really pray is, is that, that this series, it, it's not just, it's not something we're trying to package or market, it's just, it, it's, it's grace. And, and, I, and I hope as you come in and you really listen to God's word, that it's a game changer for you. You know what a game changer is? Um, Here's a good example. You can go get this as a game changer this week. Um, A couple weeks ago, I was stopped by a cookout um, on uh, Battleground, uh, the the newer one, you know what I'm talking about? Now, uh, years ago before I went in, before I worked for a church, um, me and a guy ran a flooring store, and the flooring store that we ran was beside a cookout. Um, I didn't realize how much I ate there until I left that company and went on staff at a church, and I went by there, and I went through the drive-thru, and a lady looked at me, and she's like, where have you been? It's like, whoa, I just got to, like, I just, I made this whole staff think we broke up. Like, it's, I didn't realize I had that big of a problem. But, but I went by there, and I got, everybody, you, you like cookout milkshakes? Yeah, it, yeah. But um, it's, it's great, because I went by there, ordered some milkshakes um, for our family, and I was like, what are these straws? Have you seen the straws? They're huge. They're strong. Like, you have to break them over your knee. I mean, like, it's, it's really a quality product, but it's big enough to, like, get your pinky down through. Finally, you can drink a cookout milkshake without something bad happening to your brain. Like, the, the, the bottom of it, you don't, have to, you don't have to, like, feel like a failure. Like, well, I guess I'm not man enough. Throw the straw at the one and go spooning it. Like, it's, like, you can actually drink the home. It's a game changer. Why are you not riveted by this? Like, this is, not, like, this, okay, your life is more exciting than mine is. It changed my life. It changed, like, it really, like, I got, I 
I, I thought, you know what, I'm, I'm going to make a new commitment. I'm going to go buy and get more milkshakes now because I can finish them all the way to the bottom. It's, it's, it's a game changer. It, it, it changed everything that I knew before. And, and I believe if you'll, if you'll really track through this series, um, you will get a concept of grace that, that will forever change you. Um, and, and I'll be honest with you, it seems like such a simple subject, but I'm even finding myself and in, 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 in going back through material that I've kind of already studied through some before and, and, and worked on preparing this, I get to these points in my week where I'm looking at it and, and like I feel like my brain's kind of being twisted a little bit because I'm like, God, like your grace is so much more complex it's, and it works in ways that my brain doesn't work. And I have to really find that I have to stop myself from being me and really just listen to what God says to make sure that we get it right. Today we're going to be talking about um, how grace that is greater than our weaknesses. Okay, now um, we're going to be looking in 2 Corinthians 12. Um, this is a great morning uh, if you have a Bible or you have a device that you can actually kind of swipe to or turn pages to because, as you can see, we're having a smidge of technical difficulties. Um, I'm going to be reading these verses, but I, I want to invite you into this passage because um, as we look at this, um, Paul calls, he, he refers to the weakness with another word. You remember what it is? You know, you know, what, I'm, you know what I'm getting ready to say? He calls it a thorn. Now, um, if, you, if you understand this, the, the Greek word that's translated most often in English as thorn, um, it doesn't just mean this little kind of little prickly thing on the stem of a rose. Um, really, this could be as significant as, as a spike being driven in. Like, this is not something that's just, oh, that day could have gone better. This is something that's causing pain and discomfort. And, and the person that would have this, like Paul, he discovers that there's, there, there's a frustration in his inability to just deal with it himself, just remove it himself. So here's kind of the working definition of weakness. Last, year, last week we had a kind of a working definition of despair. It was great because it was on the screen. I'm just going to need you to trust me on this one. If you take a note, just kind of write down off this. Here's our working definition of despair. It's just three words. Where strength fails. It's where strength fails. Now, here's the tough thing when I really came and, and looked at that definition of weakness. So I'm, I'm looking at that going, okay, so in my life, because I, I mean, this passage really invites us to step into it with our own life stuff. And, I, and I'm looking at that going, okay, so, so where does my strength fail? Because strength is basically... Are, are yours or my capacity to handle things under some kind of stress, right? If, if you think about what is physical, how, how do we kind of work physical strength out? You can lay down on a, on a bench in a workout room. You can put, um, you can put weights on a bar, and, and when you pick that up, your body is then under stress. If you don't push, it's going to collapse on you. And if you've got strength, strength enough to handle that, you bring it down to your chest. You push it back up. That's a, that's a test. That's a show of physical strength. But if that, if that comes down, you remember like the seventh grade like realization of how weak you really were when they were like, hey, we're going to do weightlifting. We're going to try this out. And they put like the two and a half pound weights on the bar. And it's like, the, like Krispy Kreme donuts are bigger than these weights. And, you, and like you realize as a guy you want to be tough, but like your arms are shaking trying to get the 45-pound bar and the little bitty weights on. It's so great. I wish, I, I like I've even thought about subbing for like middle school, like freshman PE, just to be able to sit and just go, that's awesome, that's hilarious. But I, that wouldn't be encouraging, so I, I stopped that idea. Wendy stopped that idea, in all fairness. So is if, if, we, if we can't lift it, then, then that's a weakness. Under the stress of what that is, we don't have the ability, the capacity to be able to push that, okay? Now, if we, if we track with that, now let's, let's get into 
verse 6, because in my mind, here's where my mind started going, okay, God, what are the things in my life that are, that are weak as compared to what are some of the things that you've done in my life that I'm just not utilizing? Like, is, is all my weakness my weakness, or am I choosing some of my weakness? Am I kind of willingly going down that path? Just, just a couple thoughts just to kind of drop into your mind as we start looking at this, okay? Um, verse 6, for what I want to boast, I wouldn't be a fool because I would be telling the truth. We're, we're starting. Um, and when I say resume, before he got saved, if you were just looking to, to look good in front of people, if you were just looking to kind of be well thought of, oh, there we go. Oh, we were almost there. There we go. If you were just looking to be well thought of before people, okay, you, you could, you, Paul, I mean, he, he was trained. He was educated. I mean, he, he looked great in, in, in religious circles. And even if you go after he was saved, I mean, think about some of the amazing things that we saw happen in Paul's life as we, as we went through the book of Acts together this past year, okay? I mean, and, and think about all that we see. I mean, and, and not even that, but there's some things that weren't even really recorded. One of the specific things that we see about in chapter 12, God evidently, in, in, in a vision, and, and it was like a realistic, felt real kind of vision dream, God took Paul, as Paul said, it felt like he just really walked into God's presence in heaven. Thanks to Paul. Paul was never inspired by the Holy Spirit to really write about all these things, but there's some things that God showed Paul so clearly that, that the evidence is if he just stood up and said, let me show you what God has shown me, let me show you just kind of the, the, the clarity that God's given me, then, then the temptation here we're getting ready to see is, is that that, that was, that was going to be, it was so specific, it was so real, it was so exclusive and so insightful that for somebody who would be a public speaker, somebody that would, that would that go and share the gospel the way that Paul would, it was going to be very tempting for Paul to go, man, then I'm, I must be somebody. For God to have done that for me and give me that insight, I, I, must, I must rank somewhere. That's the great temptation. Um, it says that I, I would be telling the truth, but I will spare you so that no one can credit me with something beyond what he sees in me or hears from me, especially because of the extraordinary revelations. He said, look, if you just knew what God had showed me, it would blow your minds. It says, therefore, so that I would not exalt myself. Now, when it says exalt, or exalt yourself in the Bible, um, basic understanding is to make sure that we're all on the same page. That's basically me saying, hey, I am more important than fill in the blank. We can exalt ourselves over other people. We can, we, can, we can work our jobs in a way that we think we're, just, we're the most important person there regardless of what our position is. We can, we can do that in our, in, our, in our homes. We can walk in and we can sit down and do no th nothing as far as chores or anything else around the house. Like, please don't say amen if you're sitting beside that person. Like, it, we, can, we just kind of, we, we can live our life like it's just, it's about me, right? Like, we can live our lives that way. Paul said this, that, that, was, that was one of the great areas of concern. Therefore, so that I would not exalt myself, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a message of a messenger of Satan to torment me. That word torment means um, it means really to be beaten down. I mean, like pulverized, beaten down. To torment me so that I would not exalt myself. Okay, now, before we get into how Jesus... At this point, Paul doesn't see this as a weakness. He doesn't see this as an opportunity. It's uncomfortable, it's causing pain in his life, and he wants it gone. And at this point, he's unable to remove it himself. But there's a few things about this that I want you to go ahead and begin seeing with me to make sure. One is this, 
there's two choices that God in all his wisdom had, he had to choose between two things, okay? And, and please think about these two things with me. Number one, he could either not give those visions to Paul, he could, either, he could, he could not reveal that to Paul, or he could reveal those things to Paul and give him a thorn. You may say, well, hang on a second, why, why, why has it got to be both? Because the, the power of God is so amazing, and, and the insight that God can give us is so incredible that he can work in our lives in, in a way where our sin nature that we still carry these big chunks of will, will take us straight to pride. Like, if you think about it, I mean, it, God can bless our lives in a way. Think about this with me. Can't God probably bless somebody's life in a way, even if, let's, let's say it's financially, that, that all of a sudden they, they go, man, look at all I have, and, and all of a sudden the tendency to be generous kind of closes up and tightens up. And it's like, man, look at all that I can do in my life. Look at all that what I can pay for and take care of and what I can do for people. And, man, I've done well. Man, it's a quick step into pride. And... I want to show you, I want to, I want to reveal myself, I want you to know me, but also to, to know me and, and to be able to walk faithfully, you also are going to need to have humility so that, so that Jesus, because remember, what is grace really aimed at? Grace is aimed at God's um, sufficiency in us so that we can then go and, and exceed expectations as we live our lives in front of other people and as we have conversations with other people. He exceeds expectations in me so that I then can go exceed expectations and show people Jesus with my whole life. And so there's this dilemma. And, and, and so immediately we have to go, okay, so, so would, I, would I rather not receive from the Lord all that I could just to avoid the thorns? Because you know what that shows, right? Pride. Like we're right back to pride no matter which way we go. And, and God's grace is, is not just sufficient in, in what we need, but it also shows us in the mirror who we really are. Now, if you're, in case you're curious, and, and this is one of the coolest things about the passage, if you've ever wondered, what was the thorn? Like, really, what was the thorn that Paul's so irritated by that he's so frustrated with? Because we're getting right here that he, that he just pray, he prayed with passion to have God remove it from him. There, there's several things that this thorn could be. And there's biblical evidence enough for all these things. It could be a sickness. It could be a physical struggle. A lot of people think eyesight. It could be opposition. In other words, it could, the thorn could be people. Anybody ever had that thorn before? Man, that's right, right. Revival hopping off on that one. Um, it could be people. Um, it, there's enough biblical op, um, evidence for it to be depression in Paul's own emotions. There's enough evidence for it to be anxiety or even just his own limitations. There's times where we even see Paul confess, I wanted to, I, like, I, we had the desire to go, but we couldn't. Like the Holy Spirit would let us. And, and, and that was, I'm sure, in some ways frustrating because he had. I'll kind of show you this. We, we, we don't know. And sometimes I, I, we have to give God credit for just his amazing. The Bible is, is completely um, and perfectly inspired. Meaning, everything in it has a, has a God purpose. And I want to I I get you to maybe think, kind of open your mind to this thought. Maybe the things that aren't in it have a God purpose. And here's what I want to kind of invite you into this morning. Here's a couple of things. The thorn is an invitation to walk through this passage personally. Because we don't know what it is, God has taken this and handed it to you and handed it to me going, hey, I'm giving you a blank to make sure that you feel like this can be personal for you. 
the blank is empty so that we can fill in the details of our own life as we go through a passage like this, okay? Now, he talks about this thorn in a couple ways, right? Did you catch it? He says, a thorn in the flesh was given to me. So, where did the, floor, where did the thorn come from? Based on the context of this passage, the thorn came from God. It's something that God did for, for the purpose of him not exalting himself. So, so if, the, if the thorn came from God, then it's also tagged with, and he refers to it as, a messenger of Satan. Now, John 8, this is a description of Satan that gives us some insight about how he's going to work in our lives when, when, when it comes to the things that we won't remove, the things that we don't like, the things that are going on that are grieving us. It says this about Satan. Satan is a liar and the father of lies. Okay? Now, um, it, every truth that God gives us in his word, Satan wants to take it. And he, he won't always deny it openly. He, he just wants to spin it enough that he can get us to believe a lie. If, if you have something physical going on in your body, if you've ever known somebody that has or if you've ever experienced something like that, you ever experienced a, a relationship that's, that's just tragically broken, you've ever experienced a season where you're so frustrated with somebody, you ever thought this, Th- this only happens to me. That's a, that's a lie Satan wants to get you to, to believe. You know why? Because if I think that it only happens to me, who am I going to go talk to? Nobody. And that denies that we have brothers and sisters in Christ that we're, that we're a family with. I, I mean, I, like all the time, that Satan wants to convince me of that lie. Don't go talk, like, just, it's just you, you're on an island, man. You live on an island. That Satan wants to convince us of that kind of stuff. So we know that that's his scheme. So what do we see? We see God putting something in Paul's life to keep his ego in check so that he can both bless him but also help him be humble. And, and in that process, Satan wants his, his words in there too because who, what does he want to do? He wants to discourage Paul. He wants to discourage from being humble because he knows that he can be used if he's humble. He wants to convince him to believe things about God and about himself and about Jesus and how, how incapable God is maybe of really doing something in his life. I mean, you think about Paul, all the things that God, he had to just really, in great faith, trust the Lord for. I mean, how damaging could just that lie whisper of, you know, you swear back. And remember, rearview mirror is a lot clearer sometimes than the, the big front windshield. Am I right? Concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times. Now, we don't know if that's one, two, three prayers. depends on how big that spike was. There's been times in my life where it's been, man, this is frustrating, and it's one, two, three. Like, you kind of come out of it a little bit, and then it's like, no, I just, I can't do this. This is is a struggle, and we go back to the Lord for it. What did he pray for? That it would leave me. Like, he didn't sugarcoat it. He wasn't like, Lord, show me your will illuminate the purpose of it. He's like, no, take it away. Is it wrong for you or I to pray, Lord, please take this away? I would ask you to consider this. If it comes from a place of faith that the Lord can, pray it. Right? Well, like, we don't pray doubting the Lord. It does us no good to pray doubting the Lord. Because, but if we pray that he can do it, then we also go to the next step, which, well, Lord, if you can do it, then that means if you don't, then there must be a purpose in that too. If we could keep our if we could keep ourselves in check with that place. It says, but he said to me, there was an answer. This is this is the word that he got back. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. Now, if we if we take this as God's word, because here's here's kind of a, 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 a maybe a, a little mistake that we could make. Sometimes I think we take certain verses and we hear them and we almost take them like a compliment as compared to truth. 
Does that make sense? I don't take compliments well. I don't. I avoid them. I make awkward jokes that are negative about myself when somebody pays me a compliment. It's my coping mechanism, right? I don't know when I learned it. I got some suspicion, but I'm just saying, right? I can't accuse anybody. This thing goes out on the Internet, right? Like, so I, I, don't know, I, don't, I don't take compliments well. And sometimes we, we take this as a compliment, like, oh, God's strength is perfect for you. I know, I know, I know. But it's optional, right? Like you can receive a compliment or you can push it back. Remember, this isn't a compliment like, hey, you're a good Christian, or hey, it's, it's not so bad out there, big guy. Buck up, right? Like this, like this is the Lord saying, my strength, my grace is sufficient for you. That is God's truth. But like a compliment, I can choose whether or not I live on that. Okay? Like I can treat God's truth like a compliment. Not, not, not for me today. Not for me today. That's, that's not how I feel about myself. This will be true if we choose to live on it. This will be true if we choose not to live on it. It's kind of scary, actually, that we have that level of free will still in us, even as saved people. It says that grace is sufficient. It's everything that we'll need. We're talking about grace that is greater. So, and again, this is our scale, because remember, we're trying this series to learn the habit of not just focusing on how heavy, how bad is this one thing, but really look at it in the measure, in the comparison of grace. So if this is some level of thorn, which is, and kind of you can write in your notes, kind of thorn and put an equal mark, the reason why we, the, the significance of I can't get this worked out on my own, I can't seem to come out of this depression, this, this darkness, this anxiety on my own, I keep cycling through the same circle of thoughts on my own, like I can't seem to get out of this sin, that shows us this thorn is also equal to a weakness. We don't have the capacity. We have a need. Right? Like, don't, if you say, well, I said, the preacher said it. I don't have the capacity. I can't do it on my own. No. It, it, it means it's a weakness. So now, what's there for the weakness? God's grace. It's enough. It's sufficient. And it's not just sufficient for the weakness. He says that his power is perfected, or it's, it, it comes to the fullest completion, the perfect version. All right? God can do a lot of things. But in moments where we're vulnerable and we are weak, what he does really is the perfect image. It shows other people more accurately who he is when they go, wow, I know that he or she couldn't have done that. I know that they couldn't have made it. How are they making it with joy? It must be something else. i got to know. It's this perfect image, okay? It says, therefore, I will, not, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses. Come on, Paul, really do. Again, remember, it's the difference of being in the middle of it and looking back on it. Okay, so even if we're in the middle of it, let's, let's listen to a voice that's looking back. It says that I will boast, I will gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may reside in me. So I take pleasure. Um, if you, the, the same Greek word, take pleasure there, is the same word that God spoke when Jesus was baptized, when he said, this is my son in who I am well pleased. And, and when he said, I am well pleased, did that mean that Jesus was going to have just a perfect, easy life? No, but it means that he was going to, work his will out, his plan out, through his son Jesus. So when we see this phrasing here, we can say, so that I can be satisfied in weaknesses. I can be satisfied in the very thing that will work out God's glory in me and it will help me be humble enough to be able to be in a good relationship with him, also be able to be used by him 
and 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 there's 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 a comfort because he's directly involved in that he's he's tied himself to it because remember what he said my grace we're, we're not going to the store because you can't go to the store and find anything now anyway like you we're not going to a store and looking at a shelf it's like well it's empty today we got no grace like like no grace I'm, I'm, I'm just going to leave and go home. No, he says, it's my grace. So he's committing himself to a work in your life and in mine. That's amazing. Because a lot of people will make promises. A lot of people will kind of say, yes, I'll do this with you. But he's co- fully committing himself to that work. So I take pleasure. I will find, I will, and I'll find purpose in weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions. For the sake of Christ. Man, that's, that's a powerful phrase, right? For the sake, I have tried to just tough it out, just for the sake of myself. That doesn't seem to work. Tried just to suck it up enough, just to say, you know what? We just got to get through this. We've got to do what we got. Because we're called as believers, saved people. says, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Um, I typed this out in my notes this week. It, this won't be on the screen, but it's, I, just, I just typed this out. God isn't asking me to fall in love with what I'm struggling with. He's calling me to fall in love with him to a point that I can find pleasure in anything that helps me trust in and rely on him more. Mike said that at, our, at, our, at the men's breakfast yesterday. He said it's, it's really significant that we learn to fall in love with Jesus. God's not calling you to find great joy in the thorn or the spike. He's not saying, hey, just love it, right? It's just, just, just choose to be better. He's saying, love me so that we can deal with this. I want to go through a, I want to just kind of quickly go through a story. It's out of, um, it's out of uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 11. Um, this, is, this is an odd story. So I ran across, um, I ran across a little blurb uh, on a website probably three months ago, and um, the word weakness was tied to this story in John, chapter 11. I don't even remember where I read it. I tried to go back and find it. Can't find it. But just something kind of clicked because when I, when I started doing, like, final prep for this message, I'm thinking, Man, that was, like, what was it? What was it about that passage that 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 seems to link itself to the truth of what God talks about in Second Corinthians twelve? What 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 is it? Because this passage, if you remember it, is about his friend Lazarus dying and Jesus going and actually bringing him back to life. Okay, now that's kind of the. I mean, that is the big crescendo. It's this moment where Jesus shows everybody that was there to physically witness this. Now, in their culture, um, day four, day four after death represented zero hope. It represented zero hope because if, but because if anything was going to just medical mystery, medical miracle, if it was going to happen, it was going to happen within a small amount of time. Uh, four days after everything had been done, tomb would have been sealed. Like it, it is, it is mourning time. I don't mean morning like a.m. I mean morning like sadness, okay? Four days represented no hope. 
That's why I really believe that the reason, one of the significances of Jesus coming again on the third day was that, that he really wanted to make sure that we understood as his, as his children, as, as believers, were never meant to live without hope. Day four is when he does this. So he showed everybody that he had power over death, which is super convenient because he was already predicting his own death. Okay? Now, in this passage, when I go through this, there's a few places that I, that, that I want you to look at this. Now, again, there, there's a fill-in-the-blank There's a fill-in-the-blank that God gives us in 2 Corinthians 12. This particular passage is going to be talk about grieving. Grieving in a time of sickness, grieving in a time of loss. Okay, So we can make some direct applications here, but we can also make some general applications as well. I I hope you you see some of these connections. Now, um, it's set up for us this way. And just so you know, you're going to see right away, Jesus had a pre-existing relationship with Lazarus and his two sisters, Mary and Martha. There's a few stories that if you know, um, some of the background here that you'll, you'll come to mind. Um, it says, now, a man was sick, Lazarus, from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. And it was her brother, Lazarus, who was sick. So the sister sent a message to him, Lord, the one you love is sick. Now, um, there's, a, there's a dangerous frustration that I, I want to kind of just mention because I, I would... I would want to encourage you towards dodging this one in your life because um, it, it's, it's a sure fire you'll get frustrated even to the point of giving up spiritually. When we have the wrong view of God, that, and God can't be, I know this probably, it's, it makes sense in my ADHD brain, ADHD brain, but make sure, hopefully this makes sense to you. God can't be who he's not. Does that make sense? Okay, so if God can't be who he's not, if I expect him to do something or be something that he's not, then, then God will be true to himself because he's God. He can't, he can't make a mistake. He's got to be, he's got to be righteous. He's got to be holy. He's got to be perfect. So God won't be disappointed. Who will be disappointed? So when, when this message was sent, how was it sent? What was the heart tone of what it was sent? Lord, the one you love is sick. In other words, hey, Jesus, I know we've got a good relationship. I know a lot of what you can do. I just need you to know this isn't for just everybody. This is me. This is, this is, this is Lazarus. This is us. Like, come do your thing. Like, drop what you're doing. If you, we know you do important stuff, but kind of drop what you're doing and, and show up. We need you. And, and that's, 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 a, that's a bound frustration. Now, it doesn't mean that Jesus wasn't concerned about them, but if, if, if I'll go through life and go, okay, I can kind of live my life the way I'm going to live. It's going to kind of have it slow to it, but oh, 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 I don't like what's going on. God, do something. Guaranteed frustration. Because I'm not seeking him. I'm wanting him to show up for me. I'll, I'll be frustrated. It's, it's predictable. And it's not God's fault. He doesn't want me to be frustrated. He wants me to really understand more fully who he is and apply that. When Jesus heard it, he said, the sickness will not end in death, but it is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. So, so there's, kind of the, there's kind of the hint that, that, of course, God's up to something. Jesus is saying, hey, listen, there's a, there's a bigger thing going on, and, and that helps us so much. So when, think about Paul. When, when God said, hey, my strength is perfect in your weakness, my grace is sufficient, what is he saying to Paul? Paul, keep going. Because Paul was on these missionary journeys. He was about spreading the gospel. So he was going to have to go through some things while he went along in life and in ministry. And, and that, this reminds us as well, 
There's what God is ultimately up to, and then there's what we feel like we're going through. And those are meant to overlap. But I don't know about you, but sometimes I have the tendency to try to separate them and go, okay, God, like I know you're up to some big things, but what I'm going through is really significant, and I'm feeling this. It's a, it's a tendency, it's a pattern that a lot of us, I think, have. So he, he, he lays out the game plan. Um, it says, it says, Jesus loved him because Satan will want to convince us of the lie that if we're going through this, equal, equal sign, God doesn't really love you. And that's that. We, we may go, no, I'd never believe it. Uh, you let it get dark enough. And if, that's the, if that becomes, if, that's, if, that's, if that lies what I choose to be truth, we can go there. But, I mean, that, that, that ability is there in our minds. Um, after, this pa- after this point in the passage, um, he does, he waits. He doesn't go there right away because that was part of the necessary plan for, for people to see the power over death. He needed, to, he needed to be able to wait so that it was clear sign that he could heal. Um, he clarified his disciples. His disciples asked a lot of questions about re- whether he was really asleep or dead. And Jesus, uh, in verse 13, I mean, 14, he just says, just to be clear, he said it plainly, Lazarus is dead. Now, verse 17, it says, When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in, um, been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, less than two miles away. So in other words, he was close. He wasn't that far away. Many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them about their brother. As soon as Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Then Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been there, my brother wouldn't have died. You see, there's, there's the evidence of the thorn. There's the evidence of the weakness. She felt like Jesus could have done something, and he didn't, and she was grieving. She experienced loss. She didn't want this. She, she, she didn't think that she should have to deal with this. Does this sound a little bit familiar to some of the stuff we go through? Like, she was frustrated. Like, I shouldn't have to have gone through this. She didn't have the capacity just to say, okay, God, there must be a bigger thing going on. I'm going to receive the peace that you want to give me. She, she wasn't there. She wasn't there. And Jesus responded, he said, your brother will rise again, Jesus told her. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection of the last days. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who comes into the world. You may go, okay, this is the, this is the wrong time for this conversation, Jesus. She's grieving. She's going through loss. Is it really a time to really sharpen the pencil on how, how, just, how accurate she is with her belief in you? Y- yes. Yes. Because, remember, there's, there's, what, there's what she's going through, then there's the bigger picture of what, what Jesus is there to accomplish. And, and the, that overlap, he wants to work in both. And, and you know what I find so unique in this? So, so here's the thing. We want to say, I think sometimes, have you ever, maybe you've been tempted this way. I'd li- I would like to be able to choose what the strength of Jesus is and how it manifests itself in my life. Right? In other words, 
If, if, I'm, if I have a sickness, if I have something wrong, okay, Jesus, I choose that today your strength grace is healing, right? Like, it, wouldn't that be great? You deal with somebody, at, with some aggravating people, you're like, hey, Jesus, like, you can heal blind eyes. Can you shut mouths? Like, that would be great. Like, that kind of grace would be awesome. Can we get some of that? Yeah, bippity-boppity grace. I mean, it's like it, like it just flows right in. I want to choose the strength. But remember, strength is not, by definition, just like, Jesus, you can do this, so that's your strength. Is has got to be wider than that. It's it's Jesus's capacity to handle a situation and work in a situation that's under stress. So, what does Jesus do that shows his strength in this? It, it doesn't seem that honestly that remarkable, but it's two things that we desperately need. Number one, he he, he uses the strength of his presence. He's there. Great thing about salvation, right? We're sealed from the inside with the Holy Spirit. Jesus' presence is always with you and always with me if we're saved. The second thing Jesus does is he engages her in conversation. Because that's, that's the tangible thing that, that she's reminded of. Hey, if we're talking, we're in a relationship. And, and Jesus gives. you what I'm doing so that so that your thing overlaps with my thing because it's really all mine Jesus then basically repeats this um having said this in verse 28 having said this she went back and called her sister Mary saying in private the teacher is here and he's calling you I mean it, like he's he's saying come out here because what happens the we, we see the picture of both. Sometimes when it's the thorn sometimes it's a spike when it's a when we're aware of it sometimes we're just like we're in run to Jesus mode right that's what we see from the first sister. We're like, let's get it. Let's go talk to him. I need you. I'm just, I'm self-aware right now. And then sometimes we're like, no, nah, I'll chill here. Like, I'm just, I'm not, I don't, I don't, I'm not there to talk yet. You ever had that moment? You, you knew you were saved. Something was going on. And, 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 you're, and, and you just kind of were like, you know what? I have, if I'm just being self-aware, self-honest, I, I, I don't really have a, a big desire to pray right now. I don't have a huge desire to say, all right, God, let me, let me crack the Bible open. Let me get the app out and find you. As soon as Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. So she responded to the invitation. That, that's necessary. It, a response to the invitation is necessary for us to be able to move from where we are to where the Lord can take us. Um, they, they go through the same kind of conversation. She, she echoed the same thoughts. Um, she said, Lord Jesus, I, I believe if you had been here, this wouldn't have had to happen. Now, here, here's what I find really interesting. Isn't it great how people that you share something with or they find out it's about something? You didn't even have to even open your mouth today to me. Like, I didn't need you. I mean, really, you're just like that. Like that, you are so far off base. You don't even know what's going on. But listen to how far off they were. Because th this is a pretty bold statement right here. So the Jews said, see how he loved him? This is response after Jesus was, was weeping. He was crying with them and for the difficulty of the situation. It says, but some of them said, couldn't he who opened the blind man's eyes also have kept this man from dying? Ooh. Well, you better be brave to say that in front of Jesus, right? Like, we hear that and we're like, whoa, are you out of your mind? 
but but what's the what's the what's the baseline of what's happening there? It's it's accusing the Lord of not doing what we think he could have done. And and that temptation is alive and exists many times in us. Lord, you, you know, if if you've done these other things, you could have done the same thing here where I live too. That's a tempting thought. It's a very tempting thought. I want to talk to you about just a few things that, um, and, and if you know, if you, if you haven't read the end of the story, keep reading John chapter 11 because Jesus, Jesus does that. He comes in and he heals. He calls Lazarus out of the grave. Um, I, I find it, uh, you know, ironic. Sometimes I think we think, okay, God, if you just work the way I want you to work, then it's all taken care of. You, you know kind of the, you know the awkward part of that story, right? Jesus brought Lazarus out of the grave. That's miraculous. But poor guy had to die twice. You know Lazarus is not still alive, right? We good on that? Like we clear, like we know that, like that'd be a long, like we would all know about that. There's enough social media all over the world. We would have known about that. My man had to die twice. We assume that, that grace will just make everything flowers, rainbows, butterflies. But, but there will still be something that grace will be sufficient for again. And, and I'm sure the second time he passed, We're weak. Acknowledge, acknowledge where we are weak. Um, why, why is that? That we, that we tend to not be fully aware, maybe, of what all God is doing. We're not looking. What are you going to do right now? And, and, and really sitting there with, with, with really just great anticipation. I don't have the capacity to remove the difficult people from my life what, in, in, a, in a godly way. Like I, I know that you could like really boot some people out of your life. Like let's, let's, let's keep it in context. Like where do I not have the capacity to take care of the pain or the stress or, or, or the dark cloud that is over my life? Where am I finding that no matter how hard I try or how good I try to be or how much help I try to implement in my life, I'm not getting it done? Where are the things in my life, uh, what are the things in my life that don't seem to change? They, they revert back. Then those are the areas of weakness that we can say, okay, here's some opportunities. Here's what I can really begin to seek the Lord on and hear from him on like Paul did. I can be aware of what he may be up to. Second thing, empty out pride. And once we realize there's an area that we're weak in, it could be a sin struggle, it could be a relationship, so many things. We, we, have, to, we have to stop ourselves. Okay, if that's an area of weakness, then the temptation for, for me is going to be the same thing of what it was for Paul. I'm going to want to convince myself that I can handle it. And I have to really remove it. Because you, know you know what pride does? Pride takes up valuable space that grace wants to occupy. Me thinking, I can handle this, I'll just figure it out, or this is just whatever that is, it takes up place of where grace needs to live in my life, the strength of God. Here's the third thing. Begin, and, and, and I'm not saying this is easy, begin to appreciate our weaknesses. And, and that's going to come in different ways for us. For me, one of the great things, um, if, if, I'm able to, if I'm able to take that struggle, that thorn, that spike, that weakness, and go, okay, Lord, let me, and, and I really seek him, 
inevitably he, he normally shows me something bigger he's, he's doing. Sometimes it's, it's a bigger thing in me that he needs to fix and get rid of. Sometimes it's just, it's, a, it's, a, it's an awareness of a bigger need that's going on in just the lives of, of people that I may, I may be like. It might be for something that, that's going on in the life of my sons that I'm struggling with that I don't want them to struggle with. So if, so if I'll let the Lord have victory in that area, then, then, then the sins of the Father may not repeat. There's a lot of those things. We, we, but we have, to look, we have to start to say, okay, Lord, if, if, I, if trusting you, if trusting you is really what my heart is called to and what I really want to do, then, then one of the things that I need to do is to be able to say, all right, I, I can't fix this. I do need help. And, and, the, and the strength of Jesus, remember, it's not defined to just one act that he can do. It's, it's his capacity to do all that he can do. Um, one of the things um, I, I was reminded of at the men's breakfast yesterday, one of the capacity strengths of Jesus is not just to save me, but to save other men so that through them he can work as well as I connect with them in life if I'm having a struggle. That's the strength of Jesus. Sometimes it's, 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 it's the sufficient grace of just a peace that he can speak into our soul just that we trust that he's working. Now, crazy thing in this, and this is one of the most one of the most sometimes, I think, frustrating things about grace. This, this has been our jar that represents grace this whole series. So you already know what this is happening. I've, I've used so many props in the series, people are actually starting to make fun of me for my props. So I really know that something's sticking, right? Like you're noticing, right? I'm, I'm so excited. So, so we know that this represents grace. So, so we know that, and, and we can see in Scripture, that grace is greater than our weaknesses. His, his grace is sufficient. His strength will be made perfect and complete in our weaknesses. That is a really big close-up of those two things in my stomach. Um, we, we know this to be true, okay? We know this to be true. However, and, 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 and go, do this for me real quick. Think about that blank that was written in the 2 Corinthians 12. We don't know what Paul's was specifically because if we knew what Paul's was, here, this would be the lie that Satan would want us to um, convince us to, to believe is truth. Hey, that's what, that's what Paul struggled with. That's what that passage is about. This isn't about your weakness. So God, through inspiration, left the blank open so we wouldn't believe that lie. So you think about what, what that spike, what that thorn is in life. What, what is that weakness? And, and here's, the, here's the crazy thing. Here's the scary thing. I, I can hear God's truth, right? Listen to this. I can hear God's truth. I can understand God's truth. But I can also choose to not weigh it out on the scale against my weaknesses. What happens if I choose to not walk in that truth? it tips back the other way. That my capacity to not handle this will remain my capacity to not handle this. My pain in this will remain my pain in this. My failure in this will remain my failure in this. But if I choose sufficient grace, that's true. You know what that means? It, it will happen. Would you mind bowing your heads just for a moment? This, this idea of grace and the sufficiency of me, uh, sufficiency just really meaning that, that it's enough, it's complete enough on its own. Um, it's a, I mean, it, I hope you understand what it, it's a it's a game changer. It is the straw at cookout. Right? You can laugh, it's okay. It, if we understand 
that grace is greater than, than, than these painful things in our lives that we desperately want out. Like, I'm not here today to tell you how every single one of those is going to be resolved because I, I don't know that. I, that's a weakness of mine. I am limited in my capacity to predict your future because I'm limited in my capacity to predict my own and guarantee my own. I, I can only share the truth of what God says and let us all make the decision of, okay, Lord, it, it, your grace is enough. It's sufficient. I, I, I can't keep believing the lies of the devil. I don't want to stay in the same struggle. I, I, I am frustrated. I am hurt. Th- then to embrace his grace, and grace is all through this, this passage. Grace was in the fact that Jesus was just patient with Paul as he prayed for it to go away with, with all of God's wisdom to go, I know why I'm doing this. I know why I'm doing this. I know why I'm doing this. He just patiently and in grace said, I'm just going to let you keep coming to me just to make sure that you know that you can. And then when you're finally at the point where you're ready to listen, I'm going to know when that is, and then I'm going to speak. Not because I'm, I'm waiting like he did two days for life. Not because I want to make you wait. Not because I don't love you. But because I love you so much that I want you to hear what I need to say. And I know you. And I know when you can hear it. And I know when you can't hear it. And I love you too much to make my truth just put it in the same traffic lane as Jesus's life, as, as Satan's lies. So I want to tell you this morning, what, whatever your blank is filled with, call it a thorn, call it a spike, call it a pain, call it a frustration, no matter what, if, it, if it's that list of what it could have been for Paul or it's something else for you, I want you to know that the invitation is there and real for you to come to Jesus for you to discover and experience and taste and see that his grace is sufficient that his strength will be made perfect in your weakness and, 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 and it's not it's not separate from the bigger picture of what he's doing but it's all in layers and he desperately wants to talk to you about it right now after I pray if you'd like to pray during this last worship song you've got something going on in your life and you really want to go to the Lord on it with someone then I want to encourage you to come up here and let's talk about it if, if you just have a need and you want to stay where you are p- please just be obedient to what the Lord instructs you to do Jesus, thank you so much for for all that you're doing, Lord. Lord, we just thank you for your grace and because, God, we we need it desperately. We don't deserve it. It's it's undeserved favor, but, God, we are in desperate need of it. And sometimes, God, as as we looked at last week, we don't even know how to ask for it in the right ways. But, God, we trust that, that the Holy Spirit is even asking on our behalf right now for the things that we're struggling with, we're so frustrated about. God, thank you for speaking to us today. And, God, help us go from this moment now into prayer, into leaving here, into, into having a different perspective. God, seeking you in a way we've never never gone after you before. Lord, help us to just seek you, to know you. God, and just to give testimony to the people around us in our lives that, that as you do this work we've talked about this morning in us, that it'll then flow out of us in the story of Jesus that we tell others, we show others. That's the full purpose. That's the full purpose of grace, God, that we have in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand up as we sing?